So I don't know if you know about the history of Wooden Blue Records, um, but uh, it was started by two friends, Jeremy uh, Yoakum and Joel Lebo. And uh, what's interesting is I've been able to talk to Jeremy a little bit about certain things. I'm like, hey, uh, X, Y, and Z on this record or X, Y, and Z on that record. Um, do you have any more information about this or, or things like that? And I got some cool stuff from uh, Jeremy on this. But one thing uh, that he mentioned was uh, the timeline of this record. So uh, we don't know exactly the release date of 1234. It came out also in 94. So there's three releases we know of in 94. There's the demo tape, the 1993 demo tape, which was not recorded until January 20th of 94. <laughs> and right. uh, then the self-title, which we did last week, um, which was December of 94. And somewhere in between there was 1234, the EP. And so the 1234 EP, uh, we guessed, I had guessed mid-1994, August-ish. And uh Jeremy had said, I think your timing seems fair because Jim moved to Flagstaff with me in August of 94. And so chances are they had uh, recorded it. But he what did he say? He says, uh, um, uh, I was also in Flagstaff in 94, so I wasn't as hands on on the daily. I was the guy paying to have the band recorded from a guy that had some recording equipment. And um, uh, I always wondered if. You know, because Jeremy lived up in Flagstaff, which was a couple hours away, if that ever caused some angst for Joel. <laughs> this is Jimmy Epod. <laughs> uh, hey, I got there. Hey, you got it. You got it, man. <laughs> I did it. Now, uh, I realized at this moment that my annotations are not in these lyrics. So we, when we get to them, you and I are going to do this live. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, in that way, you did annotations and it didn't save? Mm, Maybe I was so overwhelmed with uh, just trying to catch up and getting back. You love that they talked about peeing again. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) They got it in here. I got that. The golden lines. Jeez. Lean back, boys. Golden arches. (laughs) Um, so this is from one, two, three, four, the EP track three of four or track one of side B, uh, produced by Steve Naughton. And here's what I got from Jeremy, which I'd read a few episodes ago, but I'll follow up again. Steve Naughton's place was called the Groove Factory, I believe. So I wrote Groove Factory that this was recorded at because we know that in the liner notes of the self-titled that it was recorded at Phoenix Recording Company. But Steve Naughton's place was the Groove Factory. And so uh, he says, I'm pretty sure that's where we recorded it. Your timeline seems fair. I don't recall the exact dates. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about uh, uh, in August 94 is when Jim moved uh, in with me in Flag. It seemed like a lifetime ago. So I wrote that it was recorded at Groove Factory. There's no information contradicting that on the liner notes. Um, uh, Mid-94 is where we sort of landed. It's Tom Song, mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy World, Jimmy World. Mitch on bass, Matt Martinez on spoken word uh, vocals in the bridge. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you were able to find that, to, to get that, because I was wondering if that was actually going to be Joel. But no, it's it's Matt Martinez, which is Matt. a, yeah, I mean, you can go ahead and, and explain him a little bit later, but a, a very relevant musician in that, in that uh, time Yeah, period. of Landmine Marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wooden Blue Records release, and I, I just, we haven't talked about, we sort of talked about Wooden Blue a little bit, but Wooden Blue Records was a Phoenix uh, 
Arizona independent record label in the late 1980s to early 1990s, perhaps best known for releasing Jimmy World's first LP in 94. It specialized in punk rock, indie rock, and emo. It was run by Joel Lebo and Jeremy Yoakum. And so this was release 001 on Wooden Blue Records. Uh, And uh, Jim has said in the past, uh, we had a buddy who just decided we're a record label now and we're going to put out your record. And so it was a, a lot less structured than we make it sound. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what I have. If we want to jump into lyrics, let's uh, let's do it live. Sure. Let's do this live. Okay. So, and are you sure this is a Tom song here? Nope. <laughs> I, okay. Cause I, I made a guess that it was a Tom song because it's an early song. Um, okay. I this, did write, this there's like one Jim. line where I was like, I kind of sounded like Jim where he says, no, you're not listening at the end of the chorus. Uh, I was like, oh, that kind of sounds like Jim. Um, but I don't know for sure that this is a Tom song. The most I know is that the accordion <laughs> at the beginning, I asked Jeremy if it was Tom and he said, yeah, I think it was. So, um, okay. That's the most I know. No surprise, Zach involvement here with, with these these instruments that I have oh, no yeah. idea. Oh uh, yeah, no. But uh, if Zach is recording to this random episode seventy one of Jimmy Pond, let us know. Was it Tom or you uh, that played on Angst for Joel? But uh, uh, Jeremy, I guess I led the question. I said, uh, "Hey, uh, I'm pretty sure Tom plays accordion. Do you know if that's him at the beginning of Angst for Joel?" And he says, "I think it was." So. Um, okay so yeah uh so i've i have glanced through the lyrics and while we will go line by line um i do think that uh just by reading through them quickly the title of the song um what i feel the whole reason behind the the penning of this song um i don't think that these lyrics are going to give us much uh but let's go ahead and we'll step through these and see what we can get through because there's a lot of them so yeah. Let's see if you can help me uh, to divulge what's going on here. So it starts out in verse one with, is this promenade a musician? And all that man can do is always compare original. I think that this is, that I, my thought is that this whole song is sort of like a tongue in cheek, uh, kind of a, a, talking about punk music. Um, so these lyrics aren't really going to give us anything here so does that say does that say anything to you is this promenade a musician is there a little guy holding a butterfly is this promenade a musician and all that man can do is always compare original i mean it makes me think of we were talking bridgerton a few weeks ago um yeah uh uh may i go play with eloise you know we do not play may i promenade looking for a suitor um Uh, that's what makes me think of that. that and like a uh, third street promenade or like in peewee's big adventure uh when peewee goes to the bike shop is on the promenade um <laughs> so that's that's what i get from promenade uh, is this promenade uh, like a promenade is a place not a thing like not a person so i don't know well no 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 let me, let me look up promenade real quick um and a promenade I just is see... an act Right, exactly. So there you go. So let's say, is this promenade? Is this act I'm putting on? Am I a true musician? Uh, And all that man can do is always compare original. 
Oh. Right, and, and all I can be is compared to, and you know how I, I do see, this all the time. I am like, promenading as a musician. Whoa, this is more highbrow than right. I expected. Hold on, I yeah, got to okay. strap in for this. Okay, uh, <laughs> and all that man can do is always compare original. Okay, all right. It all sounds right. a little cavemanny, right, with the, the way that it's phrased. But I think what they're I'm trying just to say a is promenading that, and- as a musician. <laughs> All all these guys can do, all these record execs can do, the people that are running these record uh, labels, all they can do is just compare me to uh, some other band that's better or what they're trying to uh, trying to achieve. So I think that's how they're starting this out is that it's uh, it's sort of a, a, a big F you to uh, the big record labels or at least people who try to not necessarily a record label, but just label, you know, what I'm so guilty of is labeling music in like a genre or a, or a title and saying, this is where you guys fit. Yeah. Uh, and that's not, that's not the punk attitude, man. That's not why we're in punk. Uh, we're, we're in this yeah. punk. Um, we're going to learn about slew. punk in this song. Oh, yeah. Actually, you know, uh, doesn't matter what I say. All I know is I got it in me. And why do all the other records sound the same? So it sounds like these guys want to be different. I know that I've got something different inside of me. Uh, I'm going to make my album different. And uh, these other records, they all sound like cookie cutters. Yeah, Cookie and you know what records, they did? Right? They, I mean, Static Prevails was a huge departure from this. So this yes. is, uh, yeah, and maybe that caused some inch this some angst for Joel Lebo, who's like, no, I signed a <laughs> punk band. Don't have more in you. Just be a punk band. Right. Well, this is what I thought. I thought of this like the, the Sarah Bareilles' love song, right? So she wrote that for her record company. That's right. And they said, look, you got to put together a love song. Um, that's what's in your contract, and that's what we're going to get. And so she sort of. Uh, what would how would you describe that sort of response on her end? Is that uh, is oh, that like stick- uh, there's a propaganda song for this? I'm gonna pull it up right now and put it in watch together. Please do. Here we go. And they call this peace. <laughs> is there a propaganda song for everything? So this is uh, this is middle yeah. finger response. That's what I would consider that to be a middle finger response. Okay. And now that I've now that I'm in it a little bit, the outro of this song is so good, so I'm just gonna play a little bit of it. Gotta love those octave chords, man. Oh man, yeah. Ah, that is a nice outro. <laughs> so I think this uh, is so a big. This is the big is middle finger to yeah. uh, Joel. I imagine yep. that Joel sat in. He, he, can you imagine him sitting in? Uh, I mean, I don't know what it's like at Wood Blue Records, but him turning around, uh, you know, in his uh, executive chair at the end of this small lunch-sized fold-out table, and says, "I think, gentlemen, <laughs> with his fingers fingers together at his lips, I think we need Excellent. more an- angst." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I like right? that. So we got oh, this you for want you, Joel. Angst? Here's angst. Yeah, here's angst for Joel. So yeah. that's why I think it's sort of like a tongue-in-cheek thing, where oh, it's it's about sick. punk. I love that. Right? <laughs> it's a punk song about 
not being uh, part of the I love the, that we're mainstream. writing this narrative that Joel had any <laughs> demands of the band at all. <laughs> Well, I think at this point they and when we go through the little the uh the interview with uh from from Kevin yeah uh, when he interviewed them we'll talk about this a, a little bit later but I, I they didn't really care they had a whole the no, that whole yeah, la- attitude like, were pr- pretending they had a record label <laughs> right and so even the band I'm sure was at, at that that same feeling where they're just let's yeah. just do this for the fun and for making music and playing venues. Yeah. Yeah, Joel. Don't think we think you were ever yeah. demanding of <laughs> no. or angry no. at all. We're this is a fun narrative though. <laughs> <laughs> and so then we get into the chorus where now we get into the uh, the golden arches here, uh, and I can stay right here, and I am not going off to pee, but you won't hear one word I say. No, you're not listening. I think that's pretty punk, man. Not getting off the stage to pee. Like I'm not gonna go and relieve myself, man. I'm gonna play until I'm blue in the face, and I have rocked you know, your faces off. Uh, yeah. Your faces have melted off of your uh, skulls, and that's when I can get off this stage. And but you know what? You don't care because all you care about is me fitting, fitting into that mold of the uh, that yeah. perfect pop punk band. Yep. So even even more of that uh, that that angst there. So now I want angst. to uh, I, I want to put this in here because we've we've mentioned we've referenced this scene several times on the pod, but we've never actually played it. So I'm just going to play a little bit of it here. Stern. <laughs> oh man, Daniel Stern at the height oh, man. of his Hollywood yes. power. Um what, what was he? He was like a convict that happened upon this yeah. like Boy Scout troop in the wilderness. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was running away and then just uh yeah, happened upon them and oh man became their scout leader. Golden, Golden arches. arches. So yeah. Uh and what year was Bushwhacked? Oh boy, my guess is going to be 1992. 1995 it looks like. Boy, that was off. Yeah, so that's before the song with the P play with Jimmy World. Um Jeez. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, here let me get back to that. So we've got uh so, did we talk about that one? Uh yeah, so we talked about the whole peeing thing. Yes. Verse uh verse 2 here. So what? I'm doing nothing here. That's what you're telling me. I'm doing nothing here. Uh, this time I'll play when the talented people don't show up. 
So I feel like that's one of those moments at the end of the movie when that uh, the signed on band, like, oh, we're going to get Johnny's band up. He's going to play the, you know, the, the end. And then he ends up uh, leaving everyone high and dry. Right. And then, you know, they're, uh, this band is there waiting in the wings uh, ready to play. And they'll say, well, I get, you know, taking the, uh, the toothpick out of their mouth and flicking it and saying, well, I guess we can play. If they're not, yeah, yeah, play. yeah, totally. <laughs> so that's what I'm getting from this: is this time I'll play when the talented people don't show up. If I don't got nothing good to say, then so then why say it? <laughs> you're low, man. You're good for nothing. Yell a keister, man. If I don't got <laughs> nothing good to say, so then why say it? Uh, and I don't think that's another uh, mention of uh, if you don't want to hear what I have to say, why should I say it? Why should I sing what I? got to say for you if you aren't going to appreciate it. You're just going to tell me I need to be somebody else. Okay, and then we have the chorus once again. And then we have what I've labeled as kind of like a bridge, but it's more of just a like a, a vocal break. Yeah, and, and here's the information that I have on it uh, from Jeremy Yoakam. It was a recorded phone line or something that they had at the time, a punk line, big time talks of sellouts at the time. Not about Jimmy Eat World necessarily, but people were really judgy about what was punk at the time, which makes me think that that's probably what a little bit of this song is about in that, like, everybody was gatekeeping punk rock at that time, right? Yeah. Even um, uh, NoFX wrote that song, uh, I'm Telling Tim. Uh, are you familiar with that one? Uh-uh. So uh, the guy that ran Maximum, I want to say it was Maximum Rock and Roll, which was like the punk zine, his name was Tim. And if you weren't putting out records DIY, then people were going to narc on you to this guy, Tim. Uh, <laughs> and what's so what's funny is like, it was very much about gatekeeping the scene. You know what I mean? Here we go. A little bit of uncomfortable. Oh, this is from the live version. I love it. It, it, It's like, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better put out records DIY. If you fuck up, I'm telling Tim. (laughs) Uh, But that that is like, for some reason, the mid 90s, everybody's gatekeeping punk. Like, (laughs) oh, man, gatekeeping is kind of (laughs) cool. Well, I mean, there's there's a certain uh, feeling of superiority that you're trying to maintain. But unless you have. Unless you unless you have a solid solid ground to stand on, you just kind of look like an asshole, right? At the True. End of the day, as confident yeah. as you are, yeah. So let's read what Matt said on okay. the uh, record. All right. So this is uh, this is quoted, and it does have uh, it does have the that phone effect on there because it's a recording of a phone. So this would be in right. that. Oh, and also, yeah, punk- Combat Kung. Uh, on uh, Genius says the following spoken word is a recording from an answering machine slash voicemail left by Matt Martinez, member of Landmine Marathon. So here we go. Here we go. Yeah, I thought the punk scene was about unity and creating an atmosphere of a uh, think for yourself, do what you want, and not care about what other people thought about you. It's not about creating clicks and trying to take what punk is. Punk is what you want it to be. 
It's about what anybody wants it to be. It's about what you control it should be. Punk's what you think it is. <laughs> hey, man. Pretty cool. Like, yeah. I like that. Uh, Do you now, think that was course, prepared? Like he had that written on a piece of paper he was reading off of, or that just came off the top of his head? That's how good he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was this clip of Mark Hoppus from the Aretha Chronicles. I think it was at the video shoot for All the Small Things, uh, where Mark Hoppus is like, uh, real punk's on the inside. Yeah, this is it. Mark Hoppus on being punk. Um, which again, Blink, a mid-90s skate punk band, uh, now Mark is very much just like no effects sort of po- poking fun at the gatekeeping nature of the scene at that time. I have, I have a piercing, not because it was a fat, actually because it was a fad and I got into it. I only have one though, but I didn't want it on my face cause I thought that it makes your face look off center. So I got, I got one piercing on my knee play, just one simple one. It hurt like crazy. And I cried when it happened. I'm not sure still why I did it, but, uh, the rest of the guys in my band have piercings on their faces. They're stretching out of the earlobes, and they have tattoos across their arms. Basically, a futile attempt to say, look at me. <laughs> look at me. I need the attention. Oh, I'm punk rock. I got some tattoos. I got some piercings. Oh, if I'm going to get pierced, I want everybody to see it. You know, I'm, I don't really back that program, but I'm, I'm more about, you know, this is something for me and, you know, maybe my somebody special, and that's, that's it. I'm not going to, like, go out and advertise my punkness. I don't need to. A real punk doesn't need to go out and show it. It's like a karate man. Karate man bleed on the inside. <laughs> you know? A real punk bleeds on the inside. Yeah, a real punk is punk on the inside. It's not about the tattoos or the blue hair or the what have you or the what have you oh. nots. It's, it's, you are so baldy. Oh, me. me. See what I'm talking Oh, see? Tattoos. Is this your beer? Is this your beer? I'm punk. A beer, tattoos. Hang on. Maybe are you going to go break some glass saying, or something? Are you saying you didn't ever dye your hair? Mr. Purple Hair? I didn't say I never dyed my hair. Oh. I said that I don't feel the hair. need to. I want to get a big sailor ship all the way from my, my wrist to my, to my Gosh, titty. I want to get so a young. tattooed two months ago. Travis Barker. I, no, that was my, I said, if I ever got a tattoo. Roasting Mark Oppis. Forget him, okay? <laughs> I never that said was, that. I forgot I about that clip with Travis, hair. like, roasting Mark Oh, weren't you going to get a whole pirate ship right here? <laughs> That's good. Uh, but anyway, yeah, gatekeeping the scene, I love it. <laughs> Oh, and then um, we have one last couple of lines down here, the, uh, what I've labeled as the outro, which is, I'm just standing here and people doing philosophy, and it will make one total difference on penny royalties. Yeah. And I think the whole thing with penny royalties is, uh, I, when you say penny royalties, would that be for, like, let's say a band like U2, uh, they wouldn't use the term penny royalties, they would just say, hey, my royalties. But when you're saying penny royalties, you're almost saying, like, is it even worth the the time and yeah, uh, the money that we're getting for what we're getting played on the radio—it's penny royalties. It's tiny. It's or—is that what you think they're saying there? That's what I thought. Yeah, that and penny loaf, <laughs> <laughs> dude. The penny loaf, man. Uh, so I think that this is just a big, uh, yeah, a big middle finger to the the record agents or the record labels, uh, the music industry in general, and it's also just young people having some fun, uh, poking fun. Totally. At uh, and you know and just kind of making this a cool punk jam. You know what I would I did want to play though. I did want to play Please. the the uh, the intro so you can hear what that accordion sounds like. Oh yes, please. Here we go. I love the crackle. Yeah, it's so good. It's a, it's a warm. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know if that could get any more punk rock. No, man. <laughs> Not only do they start with the accordion, but yeah, buka 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 buka. It's so good. It's just yeah, exactly. It's so punk rock. <laughs> the accordion is punk rock, man. That's that's how much we uh, we really care. Yeah, totally. We're gonna we're gonna start this punk rock song off with an accordion. So should we listen to a little bit of the vocals there and see if we can make a final determination? There's that one line uh, at the end of the first chorus where the singer says, no, you're not listening. And I very much wrote a note that I said, eh, it kind of sounds like Jim. Um, but okay, maybe we can let's go. A, a, yeah, it's a quick jam. We'll go through the first verse and then we'll let it go through the chorus and we'll hear yeah. that part. Oh, there's a cool go after the chorus, too. OK. Oh, yeah. Very much. <laughs> very cool. like a go it's like a just a i don't know what it is it's it's <laughs> an exasperation is what it is yeah. uh it, that sounds like jim to me it sounds like his uh that that pre jimmy eat world the the very like that raspy high yeah. voice and yeah no you're you know, we listening. haven't tweeted it we haven't tweeted at uh zach we haven't poked zach for a while um yeah. <laughs> just gonna just gonna send a tweet out We'll uh, see yeah, if we get see what he says. Out this message in a bottle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think this is Jim, uh, and the whole thing. And you're right. No, you're not listening. Is is said kind of like an adult going, "No, you're not listening," like a kid mocking an yeah. adult. And but I, I do think this whole thing is uh, is Jim and not Tom. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Hopefully, Zach is uh, yeah. uh, relaxing from now that the Phoenix sessions are done. And he will say, oh, wow, it's almost 1 a.m. Who's tweeting at me? Huh? What is this? A song from 1234 I'm being asked about? Let me answer this. Hold on. Yeah, hold on, baby. Sits up in bed. And yeah, yeah, Holly. Has to answer back. Wake the yeah. kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, anyway, punk season, baby. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, one thing that um, Jeremy added is that Joel in the title is uh, Lebo um, confirmed. Right. And he wanted to make sure that it's, uh, uh, that it is known that Mar- Matt Martinez rules. He's the recorded <laughs> voice on the song. Um, so he's a big Matt Martinez fan. Uh, so we have reached out to Matt Martinez. Um, hopefully we'll have more from Matt in the uh, coming episodes or uh, future. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh, so a little bit more information about Matt Martinez. He played in Landmine Marathon, and I happened to see that he was in the 90s hardcore punk emo record CDs, tapes, and zines group, uh, along with Jeremy Yoakum. Uh, and uh, there was a post recently about a um, fundraising concert that was done for him that I'll tell you about in a second. But here's a little bit of info about Ryan Butler, 90s Relevance, UNRWA, Wellington, Liburnum, post-90s Landmine Marathon, 
Northside Kings, has slash had a rare genetic liver disorder that required a liver transplant. He got the transplant and is now healing. We put this virtual fest together to celebrate and raise some funds to go toward his recovery. There's a lot of 90s alumni in this diverse lineup. Some of you may be into it, he says in the 90s group. Um, so Butler Fest premieres Saturday, November 21st, 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. This is a virtual fest to benefit Landmine Marathon guitarist Ryan Butler and raise funds to uh, for expenses related to his recent liver transplant. Uh, tickets are available now at butlerfest.net or thenilletheater.com. Now, I really wish we had known about this at the time because I would have not only bought a ticket, but... right talked about this on the pod because headlining the show was Mr. Jim Adkins of Jimmy Eat World. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I, I, this was just not on my radar at all. Um, well, they must not have, and it wasn't on mine either. And no one had posted it in the Facebook group. So we just weren't, I think they we had, wanted to keep to go it in the, in like the local Phoenix scene. Yeah. So Jim, and then, uh, uh, was the headliner, then exhumed, drop dead, Far Silent, Papa M, Slint, and Dead Child members, uh, Alun, uh, Panopticon, Bob Bruno, Best Coast. So Best Coast is in there. Um, Where Eagles Dare, Dan Mari, Marinino. Interesting. I've never seen it uh, spelled that way. I've seen Marino and Mariano, but Mari, Marinino. Anyway, <laughs> from Northside Kings. Broloaf, I love that name. Broloaf, Goya, Lago, <laughs> Sorrower, Point Break, which is an incredible movie. I only just watched recently. Um, I gotta watch the remake, but the original is wow, Chef's Kiss. Um, Ugly, members of Landmine Marathon, Dead History, members of Landmine Marathon, Impregnator, members of Landmine Marathon, plus surprise guests. And uh, it turns out like most of the th- live streams were pre-recorded and it was just kind of played on this thing but uh right. it seemed like a really cool event and it would be yeah. cool to see what jim did for the show yeah and nothing on youtube nothing that uh that came up for that so i think you're right they did keep it very uh close-knit to that uh that arizona uh tempe uh yeah. mesa that whole uh that whole atmosphere or that area which is cool yeah yeah, yeah. and this yeah. was november 16th 2020 the uh the event was saturday november 21st um yeah but yeah it seems uh seems like a cool event and hopefully they uh they did well with it yeah um and uh let's see that's about all i have in terms of notes on this song yeah so let's talk a little bit about do you have uh the so much silence uh wooden blue records uh interview i had it at some point i don't have it in these show notes Okay, I'll just so we've we I swear that at the very bottom part of this we have referred back to this uh, this interview before. So uh, I'll just there's a couple of spots that I highlighted. Yeah, Yeah, that so this was from December twentieth of twenty eleven. Kevin Murphy, uh, the the person, the individual who runs the SoMuchSilence.com web uh, website, uh, had sat down or at least spoken with. uh, It was a Q and A with Jeremy Yoakum. Even though he does mention, along with Joel Lebo, he sat down with them. Uh, so I don't know if he was close or if uh, if they're just referring to the, the fact that he's a co-founder. But it's really, it seems to be Jeremy Yoakum that's doing the answering. So it's, uh, it's a transcript, and I just wanted to pop in. It's a good read, but just pop in a couple of these questions. And uh, this is what I have. So uh, Kevin asks him, uh, 
Okay, so you're doing this. You put out the Jimmy Eat World 7-inch. How much money are you into at the, this at this point? Are you beyond your means as an 18-year-old? And then Jeremy answers, no, only because I was a junior. I, I was in junior in high school. Uh, I got burned, so I had insurance money. Joel was sort of the initial brains. I was the funds, and Joel had some connections musically too. He was booking the shows. He was really into the punk scene, and I was just a fan. He was way more involved on that level. So you can see it's a it's already a, a decent mix for for this uh, this uh, this duo, uh, and then Kevin goes on to ask what kind of shows was he booking, and this is stuff that we've reiterated several times. Uh, Jeremy says punk shows at warehouses. There were no all ages venues, so it's like oh here's Eagle Transportation Warehouse that's around for six months, and now Argo. That's around for another four. It was a cool little scene. It brought the Valley together for sure. There were a lot of West Side people. All of Haskell went to Central High. A friend, Matt Martinez, that did the booking with Joel lived at 40th Avenue and Thomas. There were people all over the place. Right. So I took a look at 40th Avenue and Thomas. And the best way to describe it is it's right in the middle of Phoenix, Scottsdale, and Tempe. But it's right at what looks like a small strip mall. It's called the Desert Palms Power Center. It looks kind of like a fall, like Fallbrook Mall out here. <laughs> yeah, totally. Where it's, and I imagine at that time, um, Matt probably was renting out an, uh, an apartment somewhere in the area. But it was just a lively scene. And the fact that you're kind of that close in that epicenter of all those cities that it just seemed like it it uh, worked really well for promoting stuff and and putting things together and playing music in that area. Totally. So very good that they had uh, that they had Matt Martinez there to help. And okay, and then this is the last thing I wanted to mention. So tell me about the Jimmy Eat World Seven Inch, which is four songs. You press how many? Uh, any answers? I think we pressed a thousand. It could have been between five hundred and then. Uh, it could have been five hundred and then five hundred. That would probably make more sense because we had no idea if it was going to sell or what. Uh, and it and did it initially. Yeah, it took off pretty well. We're thinking well. If this is all you have to do, this is easy. I remember getting the maximum rock and roll review and being like, yes, this is it. And uh, I was able to come across that. So they talk about the maximum rock and roll review. So I, I looked it up. And in archive.org, it's called Book Your Own Fucking Life 3. Yep. And it's, yeah, 1994. Did you, did you come across this? I didn't come across it, but I've heard Jim mention it before. Yeah. So in this, on page three, you can just, you know slide through this it's nice it's uh, it's the scans uh it says and i had to um on the left side jim adkins 2442 east jensen mesa arizona an incredible four piece from east mesa strongly influenced by mtx radon and horace pinker but don't let these fool you demo cassette available for three dollars whoa yeah, and if you look at the uh, if you look at that house, it's like your tip. It it, it needs a pizza right above the uh, <laughs> roof of the garage, but it looks it's a it's your typical like that Southwest, um, you know that New Mexico Arizona type house. Not necessarily New Mexico, but just that looking house. So I I don't know if that was Jim's house that he grew up in or what, uh, because earlier in that they said they wanted a. Uh, you wanted a Tempe address because it looked better than a Mesa address. And, and uh, Jeremy says, yeah, yeah. But I think we were also just jaded because we wanted to get out of Mesa. Oh. <laughs> right. So I don't know if uh, if that Mesa one, if that was Jim's actual address or if that was just some other, if that was Jeremy's address, I have no idea. But it does go to that that length where it got, it's got his contact information and where you can mail stuff. Yeah. 
it's funny. I have like such like a loose understanding of the geography of Phoenix in that like I know where my family lives, but and I know how to get from place to place. But then when you talk about areas like I always considered like Mesa and Tempe kind of the same and they are right next to each other, but they're not the same place. Uh, They're in the same part of town, I guess. And then you were saying 40th and uh, Thomas. And I'm like, okay, well, my sister's on 47th Avenue and that's 40th Avenue. How far away is it? But my sister's like 10 miles north of there off a greenway. And uh, and they're down there by the 10. So it's like a whole thing. Like, I I know these areas, but like I couldn't tell you off the top of my head where Mm -hmm. these things are. Phoenix is sort of shaped like a boot. (laughs) <laughs> and mesa is the toe of the boot actually apache junction is the toe of the boot um but mesa is like the phalanges of the boot and uh <laughs> tempe is like kind of the uh uh i don't know the ankle <laughs> it's a whole thing it's our it's our own little italy man yeah and my sister is like way up on the like the top of the boot <laughs> in glendale that would be the <laughs> Oh, man. And like Avondale and Buckeye is like the dust you kicked up from behind your boot. <laughs> the Spurs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, <laughs> for sure. Oh, Percy. Well, anyway, that's a our, that's our geography lesson for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, what else you got? Well, um, as far as information about it, that was pretty much it for for this one. We did have uh, the, the so much silence interview, and then um, the. Book your own fucking life. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was really all that I had as far as uh, d- things that I could find, media I could find where this this did come up. Sure. I did two rave DJs. One is terrible, and I only did it because of the accordion. I did um, Panic at the Disco has that song. Um, shoot, let me see if I can tell what the name of it was. I had to Google it by the lyrics. Um, oh, Build God, Then We'll Talk. Um, which mm-hmm. starts with kind of an accordion sound. So I was like, oh, this will be cool. Hopefully this works. Nope, did not work at all. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did take the top landmine marathon song oh. called Shadows Fed to Tyrants uh, and mix that with this. And fuck, if it's not like pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's all over the place and like two completely different genres of music. Um but I thought maybe we could play a little bit of that. So this okay. is called, I don't know what the fuck, it's like I'm a zillion, it's another big long one. Tyrants, records, prosthetic, angst for Joel. Classic. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I mean, I love that no matter what, it's going to include this. Yeah. Like it may not be your cup of tea, but it kind of works. It does. 
I don't understand how people can scream. I mean, I, I imagine you have to train your vocal cords to uh, uh, to handle that, but I can't. I can't believe that people can scream like that for an entire song. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, here we'll check this out. So listen, listen to, listen to this note first. Okay, this is going to be an accordion note. I want you to listen to this note. Okay, so you hear mm-hmm. that first note, not the, necessarily mm-hmm. the second one. Okay, this mm-hmm. is one. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see how many seconds it's going to take you to get what this song is. And it's the same note. It's one of my favorite artists of all time. It's got to be Weird Al, baby. (laughs) You better believe it, man. But it's the same note. Oh, that's great. There and same that's note. So good. Right. And even worse was released in 1988. So this was what, six years after? So I don't know if there was any, you know, maybe he was in, in the, you know, his off time. Tom is sitting yeah, there like, in yeah, his guess room. what I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> like Joel really doesn't like Weird Al. Right. <laughs> We're gonna make. We're gonna show you some angst. So I, the only logical thing after listening to that was putting together a rave DJ titled "Lasagna Eat World Angst for Joel." <laughs> so let's listen to this because I thought it came out okay. I'd give it a seven out of ten. Okay. Another two instances oh, of, of Weird Al doing the gargling of the water. That's so good. <laughs> so I had to do it. Lasagna eat world angst for Joel. Yeah. Wow, that was great. Angst for Al. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great, Justin. Yeah. Um, so, Justin, what are your final thoughts on Angst for Joel from 1234? I need to get this this album and the and the EP in uh, on regular rotation because I think that I'm missing out on just how punk rock these songs are. This Angst for Joel really filled a punk rock void that I had. Didn't even know it was there, and it filled it for me. I really like this one, man. How about you? I agree. As another one of those tracks that like I just forget about. Like I know exists in the ether pre-Static Prevails, and I just take it, for granted so it is a very different band 
but it's still not a bad song. Uh, and I mean, listen to all the other songs I played on this episode. No effects, propagandi, uh, weird owl. <laughs> Uh, um, uh, I guess you played, you know, we played on this. I love seeing their influences on their sleeves and then even playing like armchair expert that like the lyrics are pointing toward them potentially breaking out of this mold and doing something different. Like this is the same band that did clarity, the clarity Phoenix sessions. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. right. <laughs> and so well, you know, yeah. I add. so well. An- epic album and this is the same band (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and what five years in between like that's insane right um so so yeah i i I don't know that's what i have to say about it it's a it's a uh an early gem where they are unabashedly still a punk band and uh and it's fun so i mean no matter (laughs) if it's jim or tom singing um it's a it's a jam and we should all be appreciative uh, and it should uh, lead us to be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. <laughs>